0: well good morning good morning good morning my name is dylan johnson and i am the youth pastor here uh we want to encourage you and remind you as that video stated it is memorial day weekend we want to encourage you take some time this weekend and and reflect and remember uh those who have served our country and have given their lives in in service for for our country and for our freedom Uh, we we never want to to gloss over that we want to encourage you take some time this weekend and really uh, be grateful. Be grateful for that and for those people. Um, with that being said, today we're going to be in John chapter 2. John chapter 2, uh, it's the fourth book of the New Testament. Um, it's the second chapter of that book, noting the, the number 2. And so if you want to go ahead and turn there. And while you're turning there, um, I, I just want to say in, in a couple preliminary comments um, we have here at Life Church. Uh, a great blessing um, when it comes to our senior pastor, Pastor Aaron and his wife Tammy Cole. Uh, many you may not know this. Maybe you you grew up here at Life Church, or um, you've not been to many churches, and so so you don't necessarily have a gauge what we have here in pastor Aaron and tammy is is very special um, they the, the vision that they have the strategic thinking the the uh, ability to steward God's blessings and giftings it's it's unreal and it's it's very rare and so could we take a moment before we get into anything else before um i I share what i feel like god has for us to talk about this morning could we just take a moment and and honor our pastors pastor aaron and tammy for doing what god has called them to do here in the greater milwaukee area it's an honor it's an honor for me uh, uh to be able to get up here on his stage and to share uh, what I believe that God has has spoken to me. And so um, it's an honor to be on this staff. I, I absolutely love it. This past year has been amazing, and I look forward to many, many more years. Um, And and so with that, you should probably be in John chapter 2 by now. Um, And if you're not, luckily, we have these things called screens. And so there'll be really large Bibles on there. You can just read along with us. Uh, But in John chapter 2, there's a party taking place. In fact, a wedding had just happened. And they're celebrating this wedding. And everything's going great uh, until an issue arises an issue arises and and the thing you should note about weddings back in this time period is that they the celebration typically lasted anywhere from 7 to 14 days that's that's one to two weeks of being with your family one to two weeks of being with your in-laws one to two weeks of being with your cousins and your estranged cousins and uncle joe who always brings fireworks wherever you go like we're in the city, oh, sorry, um, one to two weeks and they're celebrating and celebrating and celebrating and everything's going great. And, um, and then something goes terribly wrong. Now, now I've got a wedding um, that I'm going to this coming weekend. and I've got to be careful here. Some of you are absolutely like in love with weddings you woke up for the royal wedding. You didn't just wake up for the royal wedding, you woke up in a wedding dress. Like in a wedding dress, you had tea already brewed and you're sitting there um, at, your, at your royal table watching the royal wedding, drinking your royal tea and your royal dress and like weddings are your thing. Like if you could you would get the newspaper and you would search for weddings and you would show up at one every single week If you could like you not not to crash it not not for the party just because you love the feel-good moment like that's you That's not me Um, Not me at all and I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that really the uh, the only reason I Enjoy weddings is for the reception and not the reception really but but mainly only for the food um, listen, I was a chubby kid growing up, and so, like, my family, I always ate everybody's leftovers, and then I ate more. Like, that was always my thing. And so, nowadays, when it comes to celebrations and parties and, and even weddings, it's all about the food to me. And, and I, think, I think wedding invitations should tell you what kind of food is going to be there. And, and what I mean is this. You never know sometimes when you show up to a reception what, uh, what amount of food there will be. You don't know if it's going to be a four-course meal, if it's going to be a buffet, or if it's going to be just cheese and crackers and those little mints that they have for some reason at wedding receptions. Uh, you, you don't know, and so you don't know how to prepare. You don't know if you're supposed to go to China Kitchen beforehand and pile up on all of the sushi and then go to the wedding because, because they're not going to have a lot of food, or if you should pack a couple Cliff bars and some tater tots just in case they run out. Listen, I, I always want to be prepared for this. And so uh, one of the worst things I think that could happen is you're, you're in line waiting to get your food. Ceremony happened. It was cute. They kissed. They exchanged the rings. They did the same thing that everybody else does. And then they got to the end of it, dismissed. And then you go out to the reception. And you're standing in line waiting, waiting for the food. And you're talking. And then you get up to the table. And there's nothing. There's just scraps. Maybe a few crackers, a few small slices of salami and cheese. And you're like, what do I do with this? This is not enough to feed me. Like what? And so you're at a loss. And, and yet this is exactly where we find the party in John chapter 2. They, they were partying and having a great time. The family was there and everything was going great until they ran out of wine. And here in John chapter 2, I just want to read it for a second, and then we'll walk through it for the rest of the morning. Uh, But it reads like this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Now, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman! That's not a good way to respond to mom. I'm just letting you know. Like that, it's never worked for me. I've tried it. Uh, this is like one of those. The Bible should have a "Don't try this at home" marker next to it. Um, no, but really, it, I, like all the time I read this leading up until now, at 26 years, 26 years old, I thought that he was kind of like rebuking her. Uh, Actually, as I begin to study it a little more, when he says a woman like that, it's not like woman, um, which is the way I would say it, uh, but more in an endearing term. Uh, It's the same way he uh, refers to ladies, uh, the the ladies at the foot of the cross as he's speaking to them. And so he says, woman, why do you involve me? The question he's literally asking is, what does this have to do with you or me? Like, what can we do about this situation? I don't know if you've been there. Where someone comes to you and you're there like, they're, they're telling you a problem and you're like, what do you, what do you expect me to do about it? Like, do you, I'm, not, I'm incapable of this. If anything ever breaks down, don't tell me. I can't do anything about it. Like, I would ask, why do you involve me? And Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Now Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best wine till now. I want to talk for just a few moments uh, just specifically from this passage and just take a few notes that I think each of us, uh, if we're truly being honest, could, could use a little bit of an adjustment and a tune-up with um, that, that we see happening in this story. And, and first, right off the bat, we see Jesus at this wedding. Jesus is at this wedding, and, and, and it's going along, and everything's great, and then they run out of wine. And for some reason, and I always find it funny, Mary noticed the issue. Mary noticed the need. Mary solved the need and and began to think, what could be the solution? Mary realizing that there is no human solution. She can't go to the corner store and buy it. She can't go to to the Walmart and fix it. She can't do it in her own, and so she goes to Jesus. Mary recognized, and this is the simple fact that I think will will be kind of the, the baseline for the morning. Mary establishes and recognizes, number one, Jesus is the provider. Jesus is the provider. She she knew they were in a predicament. She saw a need, and she knew there was only one who could fill it. She she saw an issue and knew that there was only one who could fix it. And what I love is that though she hadn't yet seen it, she still believed it. This was Jesus' first miracle. So, so we're not like Mary has had a long track record to watch. It's not as if she had seen him raise the dead or, or heal the blind or heal the lame or cast out demons. yet. Yeah, no, no, no. This was number one. And so Mary, in faith, saw a need and took it to Jesus. I think that's a bit the very definition of faith, that, that faith is uh, being the assurance of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen that that it's what you have not yet seen come to pass yet you still believe God for it that's Mary and, and I, I think that that is what God has truly desires for our lives is that we would live in faith that we would walk in faith that our lives would be be uh, captured in faith that that we would trust that he's the provider that we want to take it upon ourselves to provide but we would look to him, the author and finisher of our faith, whom for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. That we would trust him as our provider. I think it's easy to get caught up in trying to provide for ourselves and doing and working and striving and trying, and yet ultimately, if you've tried that long enough, you'll realize that it fails. And that when you boil it down to it, that when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to this walk with God, when it comes to trying to live out this life that God has destined for us to live in his word, that it starts with recognizing that he alone is the provider. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, sees this. She had the faith to believe. Number two, not only does Jesus provide, but Jesus always provides the best. We see Mary go to Jesus, she recognizes the need, takes it to him in faith, and then he begins to work this miracle that at the completion, the master of the banquet recognizes, hey, most people bring out the best wine first. And as taste buds start to diminish in their quality, they start to bring out the worst wine. And yet you saved the best till now. See, Jesus isn't about status quo. Jesus isn't just about mediocrity. I, I, I think it's funny when some people are, say they're, they're content with where they are. They're okay to settle. I don't think God is ever okay to settle. He's always pushing to do the best. He's always creating. We, we see in the creation narrative that every single thing God created, it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. That, that when you look at all of creation, it was good. And so he creates the best quality, the the best that you could ever imagine. And so here, when it comes to wine, of course, it's the best. And yet I think sometimes, while we may believe that God provides the best, we get hung up because we have to go through a process before we get there. You see, Jesus... uh, Jesus instructed the servants whom his mother had dictated to respond to anything that Jesus said. Jesus told the servants to grab these six jars that were normally used for ceremonial cleansing. Sidebar, uh, I believe that God wants to use some things that you're treating as ceremony to bring life to you. I believe that God wants to use church services that you're treating as a ritual and as a ceremony to bring life to you. I believe that your your Bible reading and your prayer times are not just about ceremony but are about life. And that God doesn't want you to settle for ceremony when he wants to give you life. And so we have these six stone water jars, and Jesus says, hey, take those, go to the well, go to the stream, and begin to fill them up. Now, 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 I'm 26 years old, so my whole life I've had running water in the house. We had a hose out back that if we needed to fill anything up super quick with, we'd be good. And so nowadays, this isn't that big of a deal. It'd take a little bit of time to fill up uh, that much water, but, but at the end of the day, it's not that difficult. These guys had to take six jars that held 20 to 30 gallons a piece. That's 180 gallons total if we're just taking the max of that. 180 gallons of water, six jars, they carry them down to either the stream or the well and they begin to fill them up. And it's a process. You've gotta take the bucket, get the water, scoop it up, pour it in. Take the bucket, get the water, scoop it up, pour it in, over and over and over. I don't know how long this took, but I could imagine that it's a process that took some time. You see, it's easy for us to believe that God provides the best, but it's hard for us to believe that when we have to walk through the process. And many times the process deters us from ever getting to the provision that God has for us. Because we're unwilling to persevere in the midst of that process, and so we never see the provision of the miracle that God wants to do in our lives. And so they're, they're, they're obeying Jesus. That's a good start. They're obeying Jesus. They're getting the water. They're getting the water. They're get, the miracle would have been easy had they gone to the well, drew the water, and as it rose to the surface from the well, it's wine, and they pour. Right? Like, that's, that sounds great. So, like, okay, that's encouraging. Let's keep going. And it's wine. Let's go. Okay, and more wine. But the Bible doesn't read that it happened that way. The Bible reads that it happened where they went to the well, drew water, got water, poured water. Which means that over and over and over again, for 180 gallons, they only saw water when they were looking for wine. They only saw water when they were looking for wine, and I think for some of our lives that we can identify with this factor in that we, we come to this church and we read our Bible and we give our money and we expect God to do things in our lives and to do miracles and to bring new joy and excitement and life and love and happiness and all of this stuff, and yet day after day, moment by moment, hour by hour, all we're getting is water. It may be that your son or daughter is not with the is not walking as a Christian in this day and age, and you, you've been praying, you've been fasting, you've been going to church, you've been in small groups for how to be the best mom to a crazy child, you've been reading all the books about parenting. Everybody's an expert on parenting, by the way. Uh, you've been reading every single book by every single pastor in every single country that you can find about parenting, and you're still seeing your child not walk with God, and it's just like you're drawing water and you're drawing water, and you're drawing water, the whole time you're looking for the wine. Or maybe it's with your finances, and you, you are tithing like no other. You are faithful. You set that thing up on auto pay. Uh, you, you, you give to missions and to greater. You, you give above and beyond. You even, you even wanna give uh, just when there's extra offerings. You, you're doing awesome, and yet you're still in debt. You're even doing the Dave Ramsey thing, and it's not working. And the whole time you're looking for wine, you're still getting water. See it's a process. And often in our lives, the process deters us from ever getting to the provision. Because here's the deal, here's the deal. Miracles do not produce maturity. Miracles build faith. Miracles build excitement. Miracles produce energy, but they don't produce maturity. You want to know what produces maturity? It's the process. It's the process. As we talked about in our last series, it's the valleys. It's not the mountaintops that produce maturity. No, no, no. Those just build your faith. Those grow your your, uh, expectancy. Those enable you to walk out your faith. It's the valleys and the process that produces the faith. And so these guys are drawing water and drawing water and drawing water, all the while expecting wine. You see, Jesus, Jesus always provides the best, but he often does it through a process, and often that process doesn't make sense. And yet I want to encourage you that even when it doesn't make sense, even when it seems slow, even when it seems like it's never going to happen, if you will continue to be faithful and, faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful and you haven't seen a change yet but you're still faithful and your money's still in shambles but you're being faithful and your marriage is a mess but you're being faithful and you're faithful and you're faithful and you're faithful and you're, faithful, and you're still getting water and you're being faithful and you're still getting water and you're being faithful because Jesus told you to do it so you're still going to do it and you're being faithful but but one day there will be a suddenly and an immediately that will bring about the wine in your life That will bring new joy and new excitement and new energy and a new healing and a restoration And a remedy to the situation that you've been praying for the whole time you've been getting water You're finally getting wine because that's how god works through the process. It often doesn't make sense But my goodness if you will be faithful in the process he will provide He will provide and it will be the best It will be the best. You see, Mary believed it. We see Jesus speak it. But the the servants are the ones who carried it. I I love that because we don't read in this story anywhere that Jesus touched the water. You know, like if I'm, this is, if I was doing the miracle, I would have been like, hey, just fill all the cups with water. Bring them to me. I'm going to dip my finger into it. As I dip my finger into it, like red food coloring is going to disperse and it's going to become wine. A miracle, right? Like, or, or if I'm Jesus, like, uh, I would have been like, hey, look at this. One, two, three, snap, wine everywhere. Like, uh, Jesus could do that. He created grapes. He created the whole world. He has the ability to produce something out of nothing. And so yet he, he could do that here in this moment, and yet he didn't. Jesus spoke, and yet he wanted to incorporate people in the process. And I think the same is with us today, is, is that Jesus provides through people. Jesus provides through people. Jesus spoke it, but the people carried it. Which begs the question, what miracle is God wanting to do through you? Not in you. Not in you, but through you. What miracle are you carrying to somebody else that desperately needs what God is doing in you? I believe that you and I are but servants in the kingdom of God. And that when God speaks for us to do something, what we must do is then respond in faith and carry the miracle, carry the word of God to whomever we come into contact with. And yet I think so often it becomes very easy for us to receive a word from God or receive an experience or receive this this, this feeling or this word and yet we do nothing with it. We, we get the healing for ourselves, and yet that's all it's good for, and we kind of put it on the shelf, and we don't ever take it with us. Listen, I, I believe that we were supposed to do more in this life than come and sit a, a, a in a church. We, we were created to do more than come and sit. We were created to go and show. This, this Christianity, this life of following Jesus was never meant to be contained within four walls. It was meant to be experienced here but lived out there. And so God is using these people, these servants, to carry a miracle. I love how it said in the verse, it said, The master did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who drew the water knew. Listen, there's going to be miracles that people experience because of your life. that They will never know why they're getting that joy or why they're experiencing love or why they're experiencing hope for the first time again. But you're going to know because you've been through the water. And so while they're experiencing the wine, experience, you experience the process so you know that it's a trusting in God and faith and believing. And if you'll be faithful there, not only will it impact your life, it'll impact somebody else's life as well. Right. That God wants to use your experiences to not just change you, but to change somebody else. Jesus provides. He always provides the best and he provides through people. There's a story of a man... Uh, that's been told to me kind of my whole life. He, uh, he, he got kicked out of his home at a young age, went off to the military, came back yeah. home from the military, and was looking for a place to stay. He obviously couldn't go back home, and so he's looking to rent a room out, and he finds this, this room, and it's in the house of two old widowed ladies, and uh, they had one stipulation. One stipulation. It was cheap rent. It was a room. It was easy. One stipulation that within six months, he'd go to church. Just at some point, he just gives it a try. Just an old college try, right? Like, he's just gonna, like, one stipulation, just show up, be a part, go to church. So he begins to to live there and rent from them, and and the process goes on that he would, he would go out to bars at night and would come home two, three, four in the morning, and he would crawl into bed in this drunken stum- uh, stupor, and he would, he would hear these two voices praying in the middle of the night, and they'd be praying things like this, God, save him, or move him out. Listen, I don't know about you, but that's not the best business strategy. Um, like, if he's paying, in my mind, just let him keep paying. But they kept praying, God, save him, or move him out, and they'd call him by name, and he's a little creeped out because all he wants to do is go to sleep and yet he hears these ladies praying two doors down in the other room and it's like just go to bed god's gonna be awake tomorrow <laughs> it's as if like god has less people talking to him in the middle of the night so he's gonna hear you better no uh, so they're praying and they'd pray and this would happen over and over and over again and six months would pass Finally, at the end of that six months, he's like, I don't want to move because everyone knows moving is the worst possible thing in the world, right? Like, no one enjoys moving. And so he's like, I'll go to church. I'll do it. I'll, I'll try it. I love when people say they'll, give, they'll, like, try it. They'll give God a try, right? Like, of course, he's going to get you. Okay, cool. Uh, so, like, he, he's like, I'll go to church, whatever. He Sits in the back row. Old school church. Long time ago. So they go through the music. The preacher gets up there, he's wearing a suit. He's all yelling and sweating and screaming because that's what they did back then. The man would go on to say he has no clue what the pastor said that day, not a one. And yet the pastor got to the end of his message and he gave this opportunity for people to respond. And he said, if you need to make a decision to follow Jesus today. If you need to give your life to Jesus, I'm gonna count to three and I want you to stand up and walk to the front. Pastor counted. The man tells the story that got to three and for some reason he stood up. With tears streaming down his face, the man walked from the back of the room all the way to the front at the altar. And there that day he gave his life to Jesus and his life was changed forever. You see, the two widowed ladies didn't have much. They didn't have money to give him. But what they did have, they gave him. I love it in, in, in Acts. Silver or gold, I do not have what I have. I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. Uh, what they did have, they gave him. And they carried the provision of Jesus to this man and gave him the ability and the opportunity to meet Jesus because of them. You may ask, what significance does that have to you or does that have to me? Well, it has a lot of significance to me because that man that gave his life to Jesus on that day was my grandpa. And because of those two widowed ladies that prayed for my grandpa night after night after night, who wouldn't go to church and who would go out to the bars and would come home late into the morning, because of them carrying the provision of Jesus to him. Now my dad grew up in a Christian home knowing Jesus, loving the Bible, loving God. And thus I grew up in a home that loved God, loved Jesus, enjoyed the church. And it's experience that I get because my grandpa had someone who carried the provision to him. What miracle are you carrying that someone else needs today? What is it that you have that that if you just shared, someone else would benefit because of it? What is it that God's spoken to you? That you're supposed to not just hold on to for yourself, but to carry to someone else? I, I believe that God wants to use each of us and each of us in unique ways. And whether it's at the Starbucks or the Walmart or the Menards or your job? or your school, I believe God wants to use you to carry the provision of Jesus wherever you go. Maybe it's hope. Maybe it's joy. Maybe for you it's love. Maybe for you it's kindness. But carry it wherever you go because Jesus spoke it. Jesus did all the heavy lifting. So now all you got to do is carry it. I don't know where you may be kind of in this story, maybe uh, one of these points more identifies with you than other. maybe, maybe Jesus is the provider really um, strikes a nerve with you. Because you've watched people that follow Jesus and you've noticed how their lives don't necessarily look any different. How they're not doing extremely well financially or how they, they, aren't, they don't have the biggest and the best and the brightest and you, you question how could Jesus be the provider if that's the case. Or maybe you've looked at a few churches or a few corrupt religious groups and you're like, no, 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 they ruin people's lives. How could Jesus be the provider? I want to encourage you. Mary had a faith that was not based on what she had seen, but based on a belief, based on a hope. And all throughout Hebrews chapter 11, there's, person after person after person that based the belief in God, not after what they had seen, but after what they believed. They, they based it not on, on, on a miracles they had experienced just yet, but on just a God that they had this, this belief in, the, this trust in, this faith in, that, that if anyone can do it, it's gotta be him. And you see time after time, moment after moment, God pulls through for that person. I wanna encourage you, if you struggle, recognizing that Jesus is the provider, to go read Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12 and begin to build that trust, build that faith. And here's another thing, God's not worried or taken aback by your questions or your doubts. So voice them. Just because you question something doesn't mean you're blasphemous, okay? God welcomes your questions. So bring them to him. Maybe you recognize that Jesus is the provider, but you struggle recognizing that Jesus provides the best. And you may not say that verbally, but your actions speak it. Because you don't really treat Jesus, and I think this is the case for all of us some of the time, we don't really treat Jesus like the main course, we treat him more like a supplement. And we take a little pill in the morning, and we take a little pill of Jesus before we go to bed, It's our supplement to our lifestyle. We get the verse of the the day in the morning. We read it. It's cute. It's cuddly. We may even share it on Facebook. You're a Christian. But then like the rest of life, you provide. It's like Jesus provides a little encouragement, little Tony Robbins here and there. But I got the rest of it, I got to work, I got to strive, I got to try, I got to build, I got to succeed, I got to do. And you know, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That he's already done the heavy lifting, that he died, he rose again, that you and I could live a life that is full and not empty, but we could live the best life possible, not a life of water, but a life of wine. So I encourage you, if you find yourself constantly striving and trying and working and and, and trying to take matters into your own hands to provide, I encourage you to let go. Let go, because you can never truly receive until you let go of what you're doing. It's hard for you to receive from someone else until you let go of what you're holding on to. For many of us, that's just simply the control. We want control. I don't know if, you, if you're like me, but if you're in any situation, if I'm in any situation and I don't see someone in control, I like accidentally become the controller. And I'm like, everyone do what I say. So it's like a natural disposition for me to just be like, to try, to, 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 to put my hands in, in control. And yet God wants us to open our hands and to simply follow in faith. Doesn't, doesn't absolve you of any action. But it does allow you to act in response to what God is doing and speaking into your life. Jesus is the provider. Jesus always provides the best. And then last, maybe that third point spoke to you more so in that you recognize Jesus provides. You've seen it in your life. You've seen it in your family's lives. You've seen it around you. You recognize it. You recognize that he provides not only anything or or something, but he provides the best things. For that's who he is. And you recognize that, and yet you find yourself kind of containing that within you. And yet I, I think God wants us today to open that up. And to take that with us, carry that with us everywhere we go, that the provision that God has blessed you with would flow out into someone else's life. And the word that God spoke to you, you would carry to someone else. And the the miracle that God is doing through the process, you would carry to someone in need. And that you and I would be carriers of provision to people that are in need. Just like the two widowed ladies. You see, it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be something miraculous. All they did was open up a room in their house and say, God, we give you this room. What we ask is that you would send us somebody that could rent this room, would come to church with us, and their lives would be changed forever. Maybe it's as simple as renting a room. Maybe for you, you're like, that's not simple at all. But for whatever it is for you, Carry the provision of Jesus. Can I pray for you today? If you would, bow your heads. Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning. That our ears would be inclined to hear your word. To hear you speaking. Whether, God, we need to build our faith or or we need to release the reins of control or, or, or we need to just simply carry the miracle of Jesus everywhere we go, God, speak to us. Challenge our hearts. Lord, do not let us leave here unchanged today. But God, I ask that there would be something different, something new arise, that the Holy Spirit would quicken to our hearts things that we're supposed to do or say or change. That God, you would uh, begin to work in such a way that, that we would leave here impassioned and emboldened for the, the, the case of Jesus Christ, that our hearts would be filled with the joy and the wine of the Holy Spirit, that your blood was shed so that we could have a fullness of life and of joy. God, I ask that you would invigorate us again as we go into the summer season, that we would, not, uh, we would not take a step back and, and relax, but, God, we would, we would follow you with a new intensity and a new passion more so than ever. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection and the sacrifice of your son. And we thank you that you control and that you provide. And we trust you today. Lord, we love you. I see you you bless this people. Bless this week and use them all for your glory and all for your honor and all for your praise in Jesus' name.